Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I know for, I will not read this a second time. I, I will not go through book one and two again. As much as I'm saying I'm like so, so I just I can't do it. I, I don't know. You know what podcasts are? Yeah. I feel this way. Well, I feel this. Well, I feel this. Why do you guys listen to this shit? Like, what, what, what value do we have? Would I ever listen to our own conversation? No. What is why wrong would with I people? do that? Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Toot Around Podcast. My name is Richard. My name is Austin. And Richard, you said your name with joy and glee. I have enthusiasm. Happiness. And I know it's oh, not because great. I'm here. I have <laughs> real energy today. Interesting. We're talking about The Great Hunt, Wheel of Time, book two. And I'm excited. That's I, strange because this is the second time you've ever been excited about an episode. <laughs> How does that add up? I, I, I know. Book two. <laughs> I can think of two times. Huh, it's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. This is your thing. And if you all don't know, we're going on this 14 long book journey where we're covering each book of the wheel time. This is Richard's rereading the series. I'm reading it for the first time. He's sharing his, the love of this series with me. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk spoiler free on this book for the first 10 to 15 minutes. There will be the eye of the world book one spoilers. We're if assuming, you want to check out our review yeah. for book one of the eye of the world, that'll yep. probably be in the description. It'll be down below. Also, if you're interested in talking with us about the Wheel of Time, about mm. our enthusiasm for this stuff and uh, other uh, books. Our enthusiasm? Our enthusiasm for books. Okay. My enthusiasm for Wheel of Time, <laughs> his enthusiasm for Red Rising. I don't know. Yeah, Stormlight. Uh, there's a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> but you can check the Patreon link down below, and you can actually join our exclusive Discord where we have monthly book clubs and also community book clubs led by you guys. It's a ton of fun. It's enjoyable. Come join us if you want, or just leave a like on the video and continue listening yeah. to Richard's joy. This is so strange. <laughs> I feel out of my element, the one that is not carrying the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> but with, with this joy that I rarely see from you, usually mm-hmm. you are the great counter to my happiness. I, I do like being a just negative Nancy sometimes. I gotta say, you do make the podcast because all the, most of the comments are just like, Richard's the honest one. <laughs> Austin needs to calm down. That's that's mostly what it is. Thing is uh, yeah. Here's the thing though. Yeah. I'm positive about this. Uh-huh. But I think I'm realistically positive. This is my favorite thing and I think I'm very realistic. You keep it very realistic. And before yeah. before we even talk this book specifically, mm-hmm. this is your episode. Sure. This is this is your thing. Wheel of time. What's it mean to you? Robert Jordan, what's he mean okay. to you? Why is this so special? The best thing about the Wheel of Time and why it's so special to me, mainly on the second read-through, is when I first read The Great Hunt, I read it and was like, that was fun. That was a fun book. I wanted to know what book three has. But that was it. That was all it was. It was pretty fun and enough to read the next book. Now, looking back on it, I am seeing these characters that I fell in love with by the end and their wonderful journey by the end. And now I get to see again with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh perspective, where they started. And I get to see all the little Easter eggs and foreshadowing Robert Jordan has left for us. That's interesting. And it's so much fun. I'm having more fun on the second read-through than the first. Did anyone notice how, Richard, all of that fun that you explained, none of that included, I can't wait to read this with you, Austin, and see 
your, you know, I'm so curious to read it with my friend and see what my friend's thoughts are. No, I'm getting something new, like cue the evil music. Ah, it's me, me, which I don't blame you at all. But still. I, I got to say, you broke my heart a little bit. The first one, <laughs> I, I didn't get it up. The, I was I very excited on the first one. I know. Second one, I, I had so to bad. temper my expectations on you. Which is unfortunate, but... Be honest. My review of the first one, if you guys haven't seen that episode, I gave it... Uh, I didn't love Eye of the World. Yeah. Did that uh, change the dynamic between us, you think? A little bit. Have, have yeah. some of the mean jokes you said in the past month been a little bit motivated by that video? A little video? bit pointed, I think, yes. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm thinking, like, we disagree on Red Rising, you know? But it, our disagreement is levels of like like yeah. i never said like i dislike the red rising i do like red rising yeah yeah you like red rising you just like it more mm. the difference with wheel of time is i like i, I love the wheel of time All right and you actively dislike like th- there's a difference there like if you only mm-hmm. liked it less than me that's one thing but you actively right. dislike it and that puts me just at odds with you right yeah, I don't blame you. I just I was just trying to explain the relationship with us the past. Like, imagine if I gave Red Rising a four out of ten. Well, like, I wouldn't I would, below. The average. problem is, I wouldn't care. I just don't respect your opinion. Now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he hasn't bothered you. Okay, Look now, at that. now it makes sense. So, how's the book coming, Austin? You piece of darn garbage. <laughs> okay. This is a quick ad break to announce that Richard and I are doing a writing challenge exclusively on Wilder. That's an app called W-I-L-D-R. Starting August 16th, Richard and I will be writing 500 words a day for 14 days straight. That's 7,000 words total. And not just us writing it, you audience can participate with us. It's a challenge on the app where we can keep each other accountable. So to any authors out there who just want to say, hey, it's free to join it. It's a social media app and they've been kind enough to sponsor us. We'd love for you to join us. Richard and I will be posting on there every single day for 14 days. And if it keeps us accountable, even beyond the 14 days. Hey, social media that actually has a like real world benefit of accountability, that's up my alley. That, I that don't is. like the fickle nature of the endless swiping. No, this is social media that actually gets us to do something. If you want to feel productive, <laughs> you've been wasting your time watching a Tudor Ramble I'm, video. As we go always feel say, productive. Delete YouTube. Yeah. You're just listening to stuff. You're not doing anything. Delete YouTube. At least on Wilder, you're actually yeah. trying to do something. You're going to write 500 words a day. You're going to end up with 7,000 words. To easily join, check out the link at the top of our description below and click that. It'll send you right over there. Come on, join us. So, spoiler-free review of this book, Catching People Up, if it's yeah. been a while since they've read book two. Not, sorry, not what actually happens in book two, but that... Book one. Yeah, book there one. There are spoilers for book one. Yeah. I'm assuming if you're here, yeah. get over it. You, you're clicked on the second book of a series. Come on. So catch people up. What's so, what got you excited to read book two again? Getting in, getting into book two. What this book's about. You're left off in the end of book one. Rand is n- revealed as the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Some people know, some people don't. And how is Rand going to react to this prophecy? Is the Dark One truly dead? Moraine doesn't really think so. You go into here with now Rand dealing with the consequences of being the prophesized, the chosen one. Some people, is he going to be controlled by agents of the White Tower? Is he going to be controlled by Moraine? What is her involvement? Are his friends going to abandon him? Is he going to go mad and kill his friends? What is, what is going to happen to him? And how is he going to react to it? That's where you're kind of rut, going off the, to the start of the race with this book. If I say any more about plot details, I'll be getting it to spoilers of the book. So I'll leave it there. Other than the Great Hunt really is a hunt for this horn. Yes. And so it's a very targeted kind of MacGuffin. There's a MacGuffin in this book. Yes. And versus the previous book, book one of the Eye of the World, was, what, what would you say? It, book one, you would agree with this, was that more homage to Tolkien. And yes. this one takes more of a heart of its own. Yeah. I, the first one, in many ways, is kind of like, if you took Fellowship of the Ring of getting to Elrond, yeah. and then... Cut everything out between that and Mount Doom. That's a good explanation. And I like, it's basically go to Elrond and then yeah. like immediately Mount Doom. That's book one of Wheel of Time. You should have mentioned that in the first review. That's a great <laughs> explanation to my feelings toward it. <laughs> 
And literally, there are the mountains of doom in Wheel of Time with, yeah. with an H. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, a lot of fantasy pulls from each other. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, showing to me, I don't think that's a, a negative or a positive. It's just, it is. And it's, if it's done well, it's done well. Yeah. Uh, to it's, you, it's, well, the allu- mount- no, the allusions to yeah. Lord of the Rings is an active negative. It negatively impacts your enjoyment of the series. I would say with book one, there were too many. There were way too many similarities with them of the story structure, the naming, and the conventions of what happened in the story that it wasn't new or did anything different enough to make it stand out. So that's why I didn't love it because I've read Lord of the Rings and I love Lord of the Rings. And that just seemed more of a... I could say a mean word like copycat, or I could say homage, or I could say a tribute, or I could say plagiarism. There's actual, so for that specific charge, there's someone like uh, Terry Goodkind, where he Mm. actively says, like, oh, I didn't, like, my stuff is completely original. I don't, he says his books aren't homages to anything, and yet he actually has stolen complete characters. Like, Gollum is, he, he has his own version of Gollum. Like, there's a bunch of characters. Well, kind of like Fane off. in book one was your Gollum character. Kind of. But it is different in the fact that Robert Jordan, like, actually said, Says Hey, this look, this is from Tolkien, yeah. I wrote, I wrote the Eye of the World being like, hey, if I were to write Fellowship of the Ring, how would I do it differently? Mm-hmm. Because I think the, I, I think it would go a little differently in the real world. How would the Chosen One trope work? But he wrote, said, I'm going to write Fellowship the way I want to. Yeah, it's no, it's no secret that yeah. book one was directly inspired from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Like very, it's very clear. Whether mm-hmm. you love the book or hate the book, or like me, we're just, eh, about the book. And mm-hmm. So that means I think we're in comfortable territory to get into our spoiler-free rating for yeah. The Great Hunt. What'd you give Great Hunt? Out of 10. My official Rambler rating. Richard Rambler rating. You got to use the three R's. No, 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 no. The official (laughs) Rambler rating. R's? This is R rating? (laughs) Okay. Fine. The official Richard Rambler rating. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Richard Rambler. I can't say that three times. Just say that three times. It's a 7.4 out of 10. 7.4 out of 10. Now, what did you give this book? I gave this book, my so lovely podcast friend and everything, I gave this a... Out of 10. I already know it. We've <laughs> talked about this before, but you got to be clear so they can know how wrong you are. I gave it a f- 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 out of 10. <laughs> so I gave it a 4.8 out of 10. And I will explain a lot. of. Th- I, I will first say yes. this to you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to gush this podcast. I, I just, mm-hmm. I like to see you happy sometimes. As much mm-hmm. as, uh, contrary to popular belief, Richard and I off camera like each other sometimes. We are we, sometimes friends. We have an occasional meal where it's like, hmm, that wasn't a complete waste of time. <laughs> Just once in a while. Occasionally. Occasionally. Very occasionally. <laughs> like, rarely, I should say. Yeah. So I do want to see you happy in this, but I will explain my point of view here. One, with, with the 4.8, we'll get specific on all our categories. It's spoiler mm-hmm. free. I am, I am looking forward to reading book three. And the reason for that is how this book ended going into book three. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. So I'm glad it ended up at the point it did. So I'm going to continue the journey with you. Now, that's one thing. But the reason it's a 4.8, and I think our biggest difference here, and mm-hmm. maybe some of the viewers will agree, because people that watched Eye of the World, the Wheel of Time fans, of course, agreed with you. And then we had some of the people that just couldn't get into Wheel the of Time. The correct people, yeah. And then the actual correct people were like, you know, I had some of the same complaints as Austin. I think the difference comes down to what kind of readers we are. Where, Rich, you are a world-first reader. The world interests you, and from there, the characters sprout, but you're there to see that moving world that lives off the page, and that's why you love fantasy and sci-fi. You like to think about these things, whereas I love the fantasy genre, but the reason I love it so much is because I'm a character first reader, mm-hmm. and so I, we've talked about this, so it's not like I'm just putting words in your mouth, yeah. but I, I'm a character first reader, so I can get attached to characters. My Keladin Stormblast, my Darrow of Lycos, I get attached to the character deeply and all the ones surrounding them, and they have an emotional pull, these flaws. And you love, I'm not saying you don't love characters. It's just yeah. that's the thing I latch onto, and then the world is secondary to a reader like me and expands from there. Mm-hmm. So Robert Jordan is, and I don't think this is controversial to say, like he crafted this world. That was the most important thing about The Wheel of Time, was the it's, world. Yes, but he mm-hmm. also has... Page is a page. he has character sheets. Mm-hmm. The, the the main the main point of that is it's a slow burn. Like where of course characters in book that you've only seen from book two come back in book ten, yeah. and he like he has like what have they been doing for 
eight books. I'd say he... <laughs> and, like, he does care about his characters. Yeah. But it's definitely, at that beginning start, they start at such a low... They do really make a 180 by the end of, like... Oh my god, how far I can't wait to get there, but I think he almost builds his characters kind of like his world, where it's the characters' histories and interactions that are past, which I don't have that information. He has it in his head, and he wrote, he has a ton of notes, I know that, over what, a million words of notes on his, all these characters, I don't have all that information. I know he has all this plethora of stuff, which we haven't gotten to yet. Mm -hmm. We will, and I'm excited, I I see the potential, I see why you love Wheel of Time, and what it could be. By the end of the series, like, but one big difference that we've had yeah. with this series is we talked about this as well, where each Wheel of Time book is doesn't feel com- complete, complete. Where you have to read one through fourteen, whereas a book like Stormlight Archive, you can take any one: Way of Kings, Words of Radiance, Oathbringer, read that alone, and there's a character arc, there's a whole story that feels complete. Whereas Wheel of Time yeah. for you, you read it in one huge binge, one through fourteen, and so it just looks as one huge piece of art. For me, I'm going book by book, and I'm not seeing the complete picture yet. Yeah, that's that's a completely fair analysis of it, because when I read the story, like the reason why I love book four so much the yeah. real t- is not the book itself is just perfectly crafted. It's some of my favorite moments of the series are in there. Yeah. It really is one long story where, at the very least, a lot of different authors and books where you have a whole character arc. In like one book, yeah. you get with Stormlight Archive, Saladin, Shalon, and Dalinar all get a character arc, and they ha- like. I mean, sometimes you throw Teft even gets one out of nowhere. Teft gets a little like, oh one. my god! <laughs> but all of them get it, and they all get their nice share of the story, a yeah. big old character arc, and it feels complete and satisfying. Wheel time is not that way. Sometimes a character, even a main character, just won't be in a book. Because you know what? They got other stuff that's not important right now. They don't get a character arc this book. They're doing something else. Yeah. Or the character takes three, four books to make a mini character arc. But ultimately, by the end of the story, they've all made a really compelling journey. And they've changed along the way. But it's... Yeah. The reason why I like that so much is it feels more realistic. It feels like... That's why it feels so real to me. The characters are not just like... It's not like a story where... Oh, by the end they've learned a lesson. Ha ha ha! Let's go off to the next adventure. No, they're real. They're like they don't learn their lessons immediately. Book one, Rand's still an asshole. Rand still kind of <laughs> sucks. He doesn't learn a lesson R- by the end. Rich, you know why I'm so proud of us. We handled that disagreement so well just now. Look at us go. Yeah, no, ah. I I understand the complaint. It's just something of. Just let it burn. Just uh, what, let hey, it get yep. just get involved. Listen, in it. I'm ready. And as we get into each char- each section, motion effect, plot, and so forth, I can express why. But I mostly want to hear you got this is your real time stuff. Yeah. So please give it the for the people that are watching and don't want to listen to negative Nancy me. You've got to play my part. Usually I'm the positive one. So yeah. you play. You're playing my part. I'll play your part. Sure. And we'll I'll, do that. I'll do positive. Uh, I'll do positive Austin in the best way. You're going to mock me horrendously, and I already know it. This is going to be brutal. So, So, spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for Great Hunt. Click off the video unless you don't care about spoilers, which you should if you're a monster. Because even, I will say, with the spoiler warning, even if I didn't like a series, Mm -hmm. like maybe even would have never read it again, I still don't think I'd listen to spoilers. Um, Yeah, some people out there, like even if they want to read the book, they'll still Read spoilers. They don't care. Yeah, if you're like one of those people, comment down below and we'll we'll have a talk. Why? Yeah, what, we'll, we'll, what happened please. to you? Did, yeah. did something? Did someone hurt you deeply, and you want to talk to us about it? Go ahead and was leave it, that. Yeah. Con- leave a public comment about your trauma <laughs> down below. All right, great hunt. Uh, first category: emotional impact. What'd you give it out of ten? I gave it a seven point seven five. Real good. Yeah, I gave it a four. And none of these are going to be surprises because we know yeah. our total average score. So seven seven. Why the seven seven five? What was the what was your favorite emotional pull from this book, especially on the reread? Was there something on the reread that impressed you more than it did from the first read? Rand, especially. Interesting. Rand, I I got a lot more out of him. for For me, a big emotional enjoyment is throughout the book seeing all the foreshadowing that I know what comes of it. Okay, so, so you get a fun. lot of benefit from you know what happens in book twelve. So exactly. So yeah. I'm picking up stuff, and it's very enjoyable for me on the reread. Yeah. But also, I, in my favorite part on storytelling and writing is when the characters 
get apart. And then when they come back together, the other characters see how much they've changed. Interesting. One of my favorite parts in The Lord of the Rings is the scourge of the sh- scourging of the Shire. When Merry and Pippin come back to the Shire and everyone kind of sees how far they've come. That out, you know, out on Mount Doom, they're like, they're not the best fighters. Like they're, they play a very small role on the battlefield there. But in the Shire, they are just so grand. And you can see their change through the reflection of others. And in this book, you get to see the reflection of Rand's change from his friend's point of view. And that's a fun moment. There's that fun moment of when he's back in um, um, Ilion, I believe. I'm terrible with names. But they're in the town. When they finally meet back up, Matt and Perrin see Rand ordering around Hurin and like taking charge and actually like going, all right, no, we need to make this plan here. You're going to go here and kind of leading the whole group. And they just kind of look at him like, what the hell happened to Rand? Interesting. And it's that gradual change you don't see as the reader. And it was fun to see that there. That That's fascinating because I think we have two different perspectives on that. I also like when characters come back together and you see the change. Mm-hmm. Why I think it's done more perfectly in Lord of the Rings is end the fellowship. The fellowship breaks apart and Frodo Sam don't see the whole family again in the fellowship until they complete their task and mission. And they see the difference and the change in everybody. And that change feels so real because all the time that passed and they had their separate lessons and they come together and they see all this character growth. Whereas I can't wait to see the future books wheel time because I know it's going to be a deep dive, but just looking at these two books emotionally, at least I don't, I don't despise the book beyond belief. I just, I wasn't as behind it because the patterns that were there for book one and book two, where they split up, come back together at the end, face Baal's and again, I know he's not dead, dead, but kind of have that same pattern where yes, there were, there were character changes, but it didn't feel like enough, time or change to where I was excited to see them back together so soon where it happened at the end of each book. That That's I, more of my feeling about it. I, I wasn't excited to see them come Oh, back I thought it did excite either. you. Or did I? Yeah. But seeing them back together mm. didn't excite me. Was it's, it the change in them? It's that moment of change and mm. when Matt and Perrin look at Rand differently now like, oh, something happened to him like in, in the short time, like we were kind of harping on him, of, yeah. like acting like a lord. And in what, maybe at two weeks, three weeks, he's now actually starting to <laughs> really act like a lord. It's not a big change either. It's not because immediately Rand kind of backs down a little bit, but it's there. It's the small, subtle changes each time, and that's fun to see. It's not a big moment, but mm-hmm. it was a very enjoyable moment. And beyond that, other moments like that was the ending for me. Mm-hmm. I thought the ending was very exciting. I think all the torture stuff with um, Egwene was very emotional. Like the how slavery basically works in the Wheel of Time is brutal. Like that's it's not physical slavery. Like it's physical slavery, but also a mental slavery. Yeah, and that torture is rough to think about. Maybe why we disagree more so on the change aspect then. Like the the change is what excited you about it. The seeing yeah. something had to excite you for you to like it. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. it was that moment of realization in Matt and Perrin. Got it. Oh, that's what Rand, you. Okay. Rand has changed. And then I go, oh, and then I myself go, oh, yeah, Rand has changed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, like, I didn't think so before that moment. That makes sense. That and makes now sense. we see it. And that, that's where we have the rift of, I still think Rand is uninteresting. <laughs> so that's when, when it comes to that, when we get more into the characters and talk about Rand, Matt, Perrin, mm-hmm. and all of them, that change I could see being more exciting if you're behind his character. And, I'll say maybe one of the things that's muddied me and made me not thrilled to, you know, page turning. And not that it has to, you can have a slow burn, but there's a difference between slow burn and being just bored and just, you know, not being entirely invested, I should say. Where I know that Rand and the, the whole point of Robert Jordan writing The Wheel of Time is the change that the chosen one won't accept being the chosen one immediately and not everyone else will accept the chosen one. Although it will be a much more arduous and. D- uh, trying to push away being the chosen one, like no, this is this is not right, and that's well, it's not even it's not even just that is how do other people react to that? Yeah, that's, I include that with you know and other people not oh, accepting. Okay, yeah, so it's that's that the point of wheel of time. Do I have that wrong? Or 
Yeah, it's just yeah. there's more. Like it's it's not even just like they don't accept yeah. it, is they do accept it. But now they're trying mm. to how do they get their own personal yeah. how do they shift it for their own personal gain? And so there's so like there's so many angles, even from the allies, but like even if they accept him mm-hmm. as the chosen one, the dragon reborn, there's your allies have their own self interests. Right. And so it's that complexity that makes it that what Robert Jordan thinks that's how it actually would go. And that the t- difficult thing I think about writing that and why some readers like me might not enjoy it is you take any other chosen one trope type book, like your mm-hmm. take Red Rising has it, Dystopians have it, Lord of the Rings has it, you know, these chosen one characters, whether they have powers or not, usually the first act is where they go into they go into act two with this new journey and ex- not accept not becoming the chosen one, but accepting the journey. Whereas mm-hmm. with Robert Jordan, it's two books of Rand becoming the chosen one, accepting that he's the dragon reborn. Now, whether that's a good or bad decision, like you know, it's just preference wise. So, well, what is usually even it, then, I think that's a little unfair. Okay, book one, he doesn't even know. It's just by the end by end of book one, he finds out he is. The reader knows. The reader knows. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, the very end, mm-hmm. he finds out he is the dragon. Okay, report. but then, then by this the, whole book, yeah. Then the whole book in the second is he knows, but he doesn't accept, he doesn't believe it. He's running from it. Yes. Be- and so he, it's an acceptance. By mm-hmm. the end of book two, he's accepted that, all right, I am the dragon reborn. What do I do about it? So uh, there is, it's not, like, it's the same thing over two books. It is two separate things. I would say the reader. So I know he's the dragon reborn mm-hmm. from, and it, that's why book one kind of has this. Like, Maybe I spoiled you it, on it. Like, I guess it's not, well, not just that. It's just like, everyone's going, who, who's the dragon reborn when the whole thing's from Rand's perspective. And it's like, really, who is it? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of toying around with this by the end. But anyways, then if it's just this book, so at least it's mm-hmm. one book, him discovering and trying to push away being the dragon reborn where, I would I I could love that and how that's written if I'm more invested in Rand, and one of the want to go right into characters so we can sure get, let's so go right into it characters I give it four out of ten would you give characters I gave it a seven point two five and just sticking right on what we were talking about there with Rand he's a hard character to relate to not that you have to relate to a character like there's evil people like Jackal that oh in Red Rising that of course I won't relate to because he's a psychopath <laughs> but it's the it's tough to follow a protagonist that is a super tall woman love him and i don't understand why they love him because there's nothing of quality and worth that i'm seeing like what why why is he what's the pull here and so rand is just a very absent he's a very distant character for me to get behind and love his journey and that goes along with the emotional impact of if it's a whole book of him pushing away the chosen one thing and the previous one in eye of the world of him getting to the point of becoming the uh, of figuring out the dragon reborns back, I need to be behind that main character to care. That's mm. my just all my thoughts kind of stem from that. But I've been complaining too much for the people that are here to listen <laughs> to the positives for for the great hunt. Why why do you like Rand more than me? And talk on the, your love you have for the characters. I will shut so, up. So for most of the characters, the Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. the characters frustrate me. Interesting. That but that's part of the fun. <laughs> it really is. Nynaeve is a frustrating character. Sometimes you're just going like, ah, god damn it, Nynaeve. But that makes her fun. It's enjoyable. With all the, um, like, Matt. Less so in this one. Like, I think Matt's probably, like, the by far the least developed character in these first couple books. So Matt's probably the worst character of the main, of the main Emmonsfield Five, I think. Then followed by Egwene. Egwene's good, but not quite there with Rand himself he's a frustrating character and like he's making the wrong decisions like objectively from my point of view like going god damn it Rand <laughs> you idiot which is fun I, I know we, like it's a growth and so I- I'm not it's not like I'm not behind him but I'm also not like going where Darrow is like super strong he's all power like he's so great and he's like witty strong, uh, has a great message behind him, he has a cause, all the stuff that you're rooting for him. I'm not particularly rooting for Rand at this moment. He's just interesting of, like, it's a point of frustration, and I'm 
I'm curious to see where that goes. So you say frustration. That's, again, where we have a thing. I'm not frustrated at Rand, oddly enough. Oh. I'm apathetic. And maybe that's, that's where I'm worse. Comes. That's worse than frustrated. If I was frustrated with Rand, I would want to see him grow from this. I would want to see him get out of the point of being frustrating. But it's worse when I'm apathetic toward the character. I don't know if there's anything to really fix that. If you don't like a character, you don't like a character. And but to me, I think it's fascinating to see his mentality on uh, how he treats his prophecy and the grimness of it. Oh, and how about so this? I'm, was there a point he won you over interest-wise? So because I do, I want to, of course, I want to like the series. I'm going to be reading all the books. So what's something? What's he something wasn't I can? My favorite like, character in yeah. the first couple books. Well, is is there a moment where Rand in this book where he went? Uh, there was a scene or something he did that made you more interested, or maybe more frustrated in him that made you want to see him grow. Uh, when he sheathes the sword. Okay. The, yeah, at the end of the book. Right? Yeah. There's there's a moment of he complains, he'll be very stubborn, but ultimately when it comes down to it, he is a self-sacrificing kind, type of guy. It, to probably not a healthy degree. <laughs> like it it's bad. Like yeah. he has a he has an odd sense of safety for himself. And it's not healthy. And it made me interested, like, the, the guy is actually, like, an honorable character and someone probably worth following. Someone who's willing to take that wound and take on the burden and his pain to accomplish goal and to save others. It definitely, like, it's the seed of, oh, he actually is probably, like, he's the hero. I, I get why the, the wheel has made him. <laughs> the wheel has spun him out again. I right. get it now. Later on, that will that's a big theme with Rand, and that's what intrigues me the most with him going forward. Would it be mean to say mm-hmm. that no, it wouldn't but would it, would it be off <laughs> to say that a lot of the women love him, love women love yeah. Rand, people love Rand. Do you think it's accurate to say that they love a version of Rand who hasn't happened yet? Like they see the potential of Rand. Yes, and that's not even as a world building aspect. Mm-hmm. So Min actually goes into in this book of her frustration, and there's a sense of a loss of free will that she realizes. She talks about in this book of going, I'm she saw that. a prophecy mm-hmm. of that of her future life with him, and she knows that that's never like her prophecies are never wrong, and so now she's going, God damn it. <laughs> Why, why am I being cursed? Like, I don't want to fall in love with him. But ultimately, I don't really have a choice. Like, I'm going, it's going to happen. So she distanced herself away from him, but comes back to him and going, like, and you see that inkling of, like, he's an idiot. He's stupid. He's kind of tall. He's kind of handsome. But, like, God damn it. <laughs> she doesn't have a choice. And mm-hmm. she ultimately knows she will fall in love with him. And there's, and question me in this whole world and how it's set up is do these characters have free will? In ultimately, they don't. They really don't. And there's a tragedy in that. So with Elaine, Elaine seems far more just like a little crush. Like, he's handsome. He was adventurous. You know, she... I see what... Like, he's a little bit of a rogue. He climbed this tower. Like, this... She, he's a mystery to her. Understand. Egwene likes him, but clearly doesn't like him the exact same way as the others. They've known each other for a long time. Min is a very tragic love of, like, she doesn't want to, but ultimately, the, the universe itself is going to make her. So that that's the world buildings intertwining with Rand's life because the weaving the the wheel turning as yeah. weaving lives to connect with Rand. Yeah. Okay. And what purpose does that have? Mm. Clearly, clearly, the wheel has something is making things happen and pushing things in a certain direction, pe- putting people in his life mm. for a purpose. And men, all the others, like, they just, like, Elaine seems to just be falling in love with him. That's basically it. Men is, like, being forced into it. Got it. Actively being forced. Got and it. And she is the only one that sees that. Okay. Do, upon first read, did you have a feeling toward Rand that was different? Did you feel, do you feel the same upon the second read? Oh, no. I, I like him more in the second read. Yeah. In the first read through, I thought that. Good. I was interested in where he goes, but he wasn't my favorite character. But I feel like Parent so, was my be, favorite character. Because you have a lot of knowledge in the future books, it makes you think more highly of Rand 
and you understand maybe the more things that I see as flaws and kind of boring puts it more in context in future books. Don't spoil yeah. anything for me, but I know I, I can I'm, see. I'm trying to keep things uh, well, to you, this know, book. know my knowledge right now of just book one and two is what I have, and mm-hmm. all I know is like I don't know much about the Dragon Reborn. I don't know. Oh yeah, the, we, so from book one so, and two, yeah. Even when on my first read through, he wasn't my favorite character. Got he it. was tied for last. Like I liked yeah. him the least. Well, no, no, no. I liked Matt the least on the first read through. Well, let's not Those just talk about Rand then, because there's a lot. There's Nynaeve, Huron, Inktar, Loyal, Matt, Perrin, Balsman, Silene. Silene. Selene. Yeah. Not Silene. Oh, Selene. Yeah. Okay, Selene. A lot of characters. <laughs> Doman. I love Doman. He is so much fun on the page. All right, here's my job. I'm going to, because again, I, I'm more apathetic to a lot of the characters. I don't have really much substance. Well, to let, say. Me, well let me throw no, something off to you no, before, before you get into no, it. No, no, I got to get into this. Okay, I got to. Fine. Then you can ask the most stupid question you have, okay? <laughs> because I'm, I'm not going to have a lot of substance and it's not going to be super enjoyable because it's just more apathetic. It's like, I'm, I'm going to get there with mm. the characters. I don't have a lot to say. So I'm going to go rapid fire characters. You say quick thoughts, okay? Okay. Varen. Varen is a fascinating look of you always see these characters that are like all the Aes Sedai are very much this cold, calculating, like manipulative people above it all, this power. Varen is just interested in the science. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's interesting to see. And there's an air of mystery to her. And I want to know more about her. Leandrin. Uh, just your cla- classic villain, classic antagonist of just kind of unlikable person powerful and you understand where she's coming from the the world building set up in a way that her position on men is completely understandable and then her turn to the dark is celine celine uh, i'm gonna say that that's probably a little bit of her description like i'm getting that 90s fantasy vibe here like that's (laughs) like she'd be on the cover in the airport like i get like how she described like the most beautiful, 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 beautiful. Like I get it. I get it. She, I get it. She's dropped dead. She's gorgeous. a seductress, right? I get it. All right, Bahalzamud. Intimidating. I I love the flicker flicker scene of the when he starts saying like I win again, Lewis Theron. <laughs> like it's. I will say that's my fun. favorite scene in the whole book, actually. Yeah. Even though I gave it a four out of ten promotional impact, <laughs> that one boosted it a point. Yeah. <laughs> Perrin. Perrin is an interesting parallel to Rand. And the reason why he's more enjoyable than Rand in the first couple books is the magic system following him of like what he's changing into, how he reacts to that. I like this quiet, um, the 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 quiet strong man. I enjoy that character archetype, and so he's a lot fun to follow. Loyal. He's just a good time. He's so positive and slow moving. It's he's just a loyal friend, like his name. Inktar. <laughs> I didn't see his betrayal coming, but it makes sense in the end. But like it was well set up where you you can think of his obsession with the horn as being his obsession with honor and wanting to. He's a you know a Shannara and all this stuff. You get it, and then by the end you go, oh, that's why he's hunting the horn. Makes sense. So I thought his twist was done well. Huron, ah, you just like he's kind of like us. A lower version of Sam. Like, he's just the... A lower version of Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's following around. Like, he's helpful. And just how uncomfortable he makes Rand is funny. All the time, he's like, Lord Rand. He's like, God damn it, Hurd. Stop it. (laughs) Stop calling me that. And he's like... And then just all that... All the interaction between Rand and Hearn is just really fun for me. Nynaeve and throwing Lan in there. Nynaeve is wonderful. I, I love her character that... She's a very frustrating character, and sometimes you're going like, man, she's being real mean and real stubborn on this stuff. And But it comes from a place of love. She really does love Emmons Fielders. Yeah. Her, her Emmons Fielders, she loves Lan. Yep, yep. And, you know, it's coming from a place of empathy, so I really enjoy her character. Even though she's, you know, a wool-headed sheep herder sometimes, it's fun to see her have to sacrifice her pride several times to ultimately get what she wants. Egwene. Strong. A, a strong-willed character that is interesting in her relationship to Rand and how that's changed. So she she clearly cares for Rand, but not the same as a, um, 
Elaine and how that's developed and how she is actively putting her ambitions and her drive over her relationship to others. Austin. Um, a piece of shit that doesn't know how to appreciate good art. But, you know. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> that's on you. And you, you could have went worse. So I'm, I, that's I'll, I'll on take that. you. You could have went a lot of directions. I'm glad you chose that one and, yeah. and kept it narrow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Honored, actually. <laughs> okay. Did you want to ask me a question in the character section? Because yeah, you had something so to say until I interrupted? Main that, thing is, yeah. what was your least favorite character? And what was your... M- most favorite, most interested character. I would say the reason I gave characters a four is there's no character I could point out that I hated them. Like on page time, it was again more of the apathy toward I'm not mm. behind Rand and the the best character I'd say as I understand Nynaeve the most. Nynaeve makes a lot of sense, and as you explained, I think I agree with your character descriptions of Nynaeve's the most of being stubborn but really loving the Emmons Fielders and having this forthrightness of she's not afraid to go for it and just make a decision. Mm-hmm. So I really get Nynaeve's character. I'd say she's my favorite, but none of them... I can't go over like Matt or Perrin and tell you why they're a badly written character. They're not bad. They're just uninteresting to me at this point because there hasn't been enough development or enough of a scene or a decision that the characters have had to make that have let me connect with them. I'll just use an example of maybe why I'm feeling this way with Kaladin and first part of Way of Kings spoiler for the next minute, if you want to skip this real quick. So Kaladin, immediately you become attached to, and Sanders is the greatest at that because he's looking over the cliff and about to kill himself. And then gets this little, uh, Syl does the most amazing thing, doesn't know she actually saves his life and he decides not to and goes back and is going to lead the bridge crew. Right? There's just a decision, mm-hmm. something that hooks me onto the character. Whereas, and then, okay, Stormlight, Stormlight spoilers over. You can come back now. Um, where with all of these characters, I never had a moment of connection with. I never had a thing that went, okay, that's powerful or that's something I can latch on to that. Let me follow them through this journey. It's been a lot of things happening because the world's so expansive. There's a lot of characters to handle. But at that cost leads me to not going, okay, like why am I really invested in Rand or Matt or Perrin? Um, that that's that's all there is. There hasn't been something impactful enough for me to follow them yet. And I'll, that's my overall thoughts on the characters. I don't think you're ever really going to find that either. Okay. That, like, there are big moments in the Wheel of Time, of course. There's big, impactful moments. However, I just... My thought for you, yeah. I think it's going to creep on you. There's going to be little moments kind of piling up of, like, I you're starting so, to yeah. understand the characters a bit more. Where, Like, I'm... Little spoiler. Uh, this is not a spoiler. It's just giving you hope. Book three, Matt makes a big turnaround. He's like a real character in book three. <laughs> Can I, I started listening to book three, and no spoilers coming with it. Like, let's talk plot. Is something important? Mm-hmm. Anything else on characters you have? No. Plot. What did you give it out of ten? I gave plot a seven point five out of ten. I gave it four or five. Again, no surprise for. for I think it's well paced, and the ending makes it go from a six six five to a seven five for me. Like it pushed it up there was a very exciting ending that i really am excited where it goes i think pacing wise it was really well done so i i there was no part in the story for me that was particularly slow instead of me talking all negative i'll say the exciting part why um why i'm excited for the next book is he's finally the drag he's accepted the dragon reborn mm-hmm. and going into book three i'm just excited to see what the interactions are now of now that he's accepted it, Hawkwing, we'd even talk about Hawkwing. But now that he's accepted it, what is everybody going to say? Who's going to accept him? Who's not? How's this going to change the world? How will Rand now act? Maybe there's something where there will be a scene where I can attach myself to Rand more. We're now taking on this big responsibility. Something will happen that I connect to his character. So Mm -hmm. plot-wise, I'm looking forward to the next book to see the differences because I do think that what's been dragging me down plot-wise is just... Okay, he's Dragon Boy. Let's, let's let's get to it. <laughs> not not that rush up because if if there's interesting things happening, I have no problem with it. But just to me, it wasn't interesting. So I'm finally he's Dragon Reborn and accepts it. I want to see where he goes from there. That's what's exciting. Whereas why I gave it a little bit lower is I, I think we talked emotional impact. Just kind of similar pattern with book one. You know, all come together. Facebook halls among, and the pace to me wasn't. Uh, I didn't love the pacing. I thought it was a bit slow at the start, but I do agree with you. The ending picked up and I liked the pace changes and it was a, it was a big ending. I just didn't 
feel as you felt, I guess. It's, it's all feeling. It's just talking feelings, guys. I guess like a, so. What, what, what else are we supposed to say? I, basically, you know what podcasts are? Yeah. I feel this way. Well, I feel this. Well, I feel this. Why do you guys listen to this shit? Like, what, what, uh, what value do we have? A little, a little, uh, <laughs> little uh, aside. A little uh, flashback <laughs> to delete YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's going to happen every so often. I'm just like, sometimes listen to ourselves. Oh yeah. Well, so, like, would I ever listen to uh, our own conversation? No. What God, is why would I people? do that? Just uh, I gave I'll give plot four five. I give it seven five. I feel this way. Oh, I feel this way. What of what do we do? That's valuable. Okay. Somebody please please tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, with with plot, I'm stemming it stems from Rand, stems from my emotion behind everything, but as a positive for the plot on your end, besides the ending. Maybe we can agree on this. Something that was more interesting to me was mm-hmm. when he was in um, Carrion. Carrion? Carrion, yeah. And was denying all the invitations. Yeah. I thought that was a cute, cute plot point. You want to talk on that? You want to talk in another moment? You love oh, the yeah. plot? I, almost every, uh, every location that they go to was, I think, a good taste of the location and culture and how the people are different. Yeah. And you start to get a wider sense of who these people are. And one, it's important for planting those seeds for later books of how... So I now know how Carrion acts. Like, I, I get it. Okay. And I'm now starting to see... Like, so now when I go for maybe in a different part of the... Different city, different land, but a Carrion comes out of the way. I'm like, okay, I think I know how these guys think. That kept me interested through the whole thing. Willisheim is great at stereotyping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know how these New Yorkans... I know. <laughs> I know the uh, New Mexicans over there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you could just go yeah. down the list. So it's creating... A, well, we'll talk more of that in world building. Sure. But, but to that point is, plot-wise, every yep. time we're in a new place and we're discovering more about it and stuff going on, I was thoroughly interested throughout the entire book. And by the end, I was very excited. I enjoyed the character interaction. So... There was not really a dull moment in this book for me. I okay. wasn't like, there was no point where I could easily put down the book. I got to say, it's just, as far as ratings go, no. uh, I guess why I give it lower as well. If it took me a long time to read this book because I was less interested, I did it for the pond because you love it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I got through the book. And I will say that book three, if book three is another kind of eh for me. Normally speaking, I just stop reading the series. I will continue on because, you know, revenue. No, <laughs> no but for, it is enjoyable to go back and forth and read the series along with you. And I do want to read stories that I might not necessarily like because that is also helpful for me, one, writing-wise, what, what don't I like, but also to be able to talk about Wheel of Time and someone that does love it. And I just think the conversation's interesting. You shouldn't just read things you love if you're in a position like me. I think other people you should seek out things that you like, generally speaking. But there's something about us talking about books where we should know what we don't like. And that's, that's I don't know, knowing True. things that you don't like is also interesting. Honestly, it makes me want to reread Name of the Wind a little bit with you. Just, it's yeah. something I actively dislike. But I would reread it again just to have a clearer picture of why I dislike it. Awesome. Uh, because we should days. do a Name of the Wind episode. We do have to. Yeah. That, that, that's going to be a full three-hour dissertation of why that book sucks. Yeah. <laughs> sucks bad. <laughs> a last thing on plot. Do you want to say any other moments for you? Get this because this is what the, these kind of videos, the 14 books we're going through, is more yeah. of an archive for your sake. You can, you can look back decades from now and go, this was what I was thinking. Anything you want to tell future well, Richard? It's important that in plot, it's important to actually mention how much foreshadowing is dropped from here where things that are paid off book 14 uh, that it, it kind of blows my mind how well thought out this story is and how well thought out the characters are that characters that have a big role to play but they're just tiny characters now and but not just that later on he decided to pull a character out and go like oh well i'm gonna make this Ah, that character I forgot about all those books ago. I'm gonna do this with him. No, like it was there was a seed that planted, right? And it was sowed later, like ten books later. That is really cool to see, and it that has to go to plot of how impressive that is on the grand scale of his plotting. 
I have heard that before of where there will be a character that says a passing line in book two and then book 12 it pays yeah. off. It's like, what? I didn't yeah. even remember he said that. Or uh-huh. <laughs> but it's all that stuff is in the background. So especially how quickly I read it, the stuff is just still, it's like in, it's all the book information is still in the RAM of my head. Like the random, like it's temporary storage. Yeah, it's there's not a there. lot of RAM there. Let's be honest. Uh, it's not a lot, but it's a, it was you need enough. to upgrade your hard drive. <laughs> Do something there. But the, it was all still in the head. So maybe I'm not actively thinking about it. Yeah. But then when that big surprise comes up, the payoff goes, I go, Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Cause you weren't thinking it, but it's still there in the background. So I'm hoping that you get through the series at a fast enough pace that that euphoric moment of, the payoff it still hits rather than a confusion of like, oh, were they a character before? <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were mentioned back here. Yeah. I can promise you this, viewer, Richard, I can promise both of you this. Mm-hmm. I will likely read all of Wheel of Time once. I mean, I could. I, the only way I wouldn't is if I finish book four or five, I'm still not like, and then I, I, can I, see, I could you. see you being uninterested in having the conversation at that point. I would still like yeah. to continue because it would be good to finish it. If you think that book four mm-hmm. is five or below, I I wouldn't, okay. I'm not going to push you to continue. Like if you want to torture yourself, fine, but that legitimately be would be bit. torture. I, but as if I do finish this once, I know for, I will not read this a second time. I, I will not go through book one and two again, as much as I'm saying, I'm like, so, so I just, I can't do it. I, I don't know. That's the meanest thing I've said. I've been, I've been very nice. That, that's, uh, we'll move on from there. That, thing that's, is, <laughs> will, will your opinion change on book 14? Let, let's say like book three, you're like, hey, I'm liking this. Book yeah. four, you're going, okay, this has some really cool stuff. By the time you're at book 11, you're just loving it. But then I'll start with book three and read from there. I'll just skip the first two. <laughs> okay, dialogue and prose. What did you give that out of 10? Seven out of 10. It solidly written. There's... It does a lot of things that I like, which is pushing character while exploring the world and doing exploring more in-depth of the world and cultures while also pushing the plot along. And then as overall, it is just well-written with good character voice. I gave it 5 out of 10. And so you thought it was well-written. There's not any more. Yep, let's, let's 10 out of ten. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> well, I missed it. Sorry, I was, I was trying to be annoying. I, I'm just saying you gave Golden Sun a 10 out of 10. That's perfect prose right there. Pure from mm, gorgeous. <laughs> but, I'll be honest. Yeah. They're about the same. <sighs> I got to disagree. But just sticking to Great Hunt, why I didn't love the prose is a lot of the descriptions are common descriptions or things I've read before. And to be fair, Chick, you know, maybe this was written before some of the other books I've read. But a lot of the descriptions were fairly cliche. Every woman introduced seemed to be described as beautiful to some degree. Even if it was a random tavern woman, the first thing was she's beautiful and then X, Y, Z. And I can't really picture the characters if everyone has the same descriptor. Hmm. That's what's difficult is I couldn't really tell you what the characters all look like. Maybe I will as the books go on. But if everyone's immediately described as this common thing of are they beautiful or not, it's very easy to... The only reason Celine kind of sticks out is that she was described as beautiful like 20 times. So that sticks out more. But every woman's described that way. And the, the here, this is very unfair of me to do, but just one sentence that kind of stuck out where Varen's in this scene. And, uh, this, is a, this is what the patches is. I feel light as goose feathers, he was saying. Still a little tired, but he let the words trail off, seeming to see her for the first time, to realize what had happened for the first time. Like something like that where it just takes me a second to like, oh, okay, I think I, I understand it now, like the repetition there. Um, but, and that's unfair. That's a huge book. So I'm just using a random example to make myself look smart. That's, that's really it. That, basically, mm-hmm. all studies do that. They just, they already have Fine, a plan. Yeah. They already they know what already they want have the conclusion, a conclusion to be. And then they find evidence. And they support. find support. Yes. So that's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm being an asshole. So, yeah, I know. But generally, with the descriptions, and I, I wasn't wowed by anything. Nothing stuck out. I think it's very average prose that could do much better than I ever could. But it is just... I think an average book in that way. On pure word choice, I agree with you. It's for me, it's the same as Red Rising. Like it's not very creative on that side. Red but Rising is so creative. It really is. <laughs> it's it it's adequately you, done. You know why I'm gonna regret <laughs> reviewing Red Rising with you? Every book mm-hmm. will be 
compared to that. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it's it's so you not until right. you just beat me out of that. It's just I'm just saying if I give a pros yeah. ten out of ten, yeah. Like you got like it's gotta be a. Do you want me to defend it again? I'm not even. I will defend it again. Golden Sun. The reason Pierce Brown is specifically in Golden Sun is ten out of ten pros. Is every book that I read and when I'm judging it on the scale, it's what's the intent of that book? Does it achieve that to the best quality that it can in this first person point of view? And I think the economy of words, the goriness, the gutturalness of his prose and how efficient he is with his words on top of me never wasting time and also using descriptors to me that are just mind-blowingly captivating. I, I was reading chapter to chapter, page to page, and the speeches, the speeches, the banter, when he wrote okay. stuff that made me laugh, wrote stuff that made me yell. When, when that scene happens, in the, okay, you aren't here for Red Rising, so I can't spoil, I, don't, I won't spoil the book, but there are scenes that the way it's written makes me cry. Several times, even thinking about the way it was written, cry tears, Richard, thinking about a scene and jump up on my seat going, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. That's perfect prose to me. So then when I'm reading stuff like this and I'm just going, okay, that's an interesting description. That's the difference. So if you ever bring up Golden Sun again, I'm going to bring it up again. <laughs> and I will say the same speech again. <laughs> but anyway, that's, are- that's why I loved it. Both are adequate. The, both, I think, are better than average. Like, like yeah. they're both well-written. It's not, like, even I have to give it Name of the Wind. The descriptors of there are very unique, mm-hmm. perfectly described, where, like, everyone has a unique image. He actually is very economical with words, but is very detailed description. Yeah. It, it he is genuinely gifted with words. It, I... Gotta give Name of the Wind that. It's Patrick Rothfuss is a great writer. That's awesome. Great, not a good storyteller, but a great writer. <laughs> Whereas you think Robert Jordan's a good writer, and he's, he's a good a, writer. Yeah. He's a really great storyteller over like a Got it. big long story, yeah. like t- having making a world, crafting this world, and telling a big long story in it. He is great at that. He's good. At writing. And he gets better. Do you think my five for his prose is like outrageous? Not completely. Could you see it being no. average? Yeah, I, I can yeah. see it. I would say probably, like maybe I, my I, influence, I, I think it's better than average. Like Pariah or something. Like Pariah's average prose. Like it's like, it's not bad. Like, but it's, it's like, I, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I think Robert Jordan is like a little bit better than that. Okay. So you know, I get what I mean? Yeah. All, all of our dialogue prose sections always just come back to comparing it's not, it to things it's, it's, not, it's, it's not, not how Discworld. it's not how i like it it's not how you it's we'll move on but any yeah. anything else you want to say there or no we'll, okay we'll move on for there world building i gave it a 7.5 i gave a 6.5 this is where we'll have the most agreement you liked it okay <laughs> yeah i thought it was it's starting to develop the world a lot more and i think it says leagues that i'm interested in the world while not being interested in the story as much and that says a lot about the world building true you normally you kind of tie them together. Where if you don't like the character, you're just not going to like the the world or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> just everything's four. <laughs> but what? Why did you give it the seven five? What was your favorite part about the world building in this book? Doman. If I if I had to pick, like, every chapter that he's in is just wonderful for world building. One because you get to see the perspective of distance and time from events. So you were with the characters, and so you know what happens in the world. But then you see yeah. Doman, and how does he interpret events because he's further away? How does the chain of news get to him, and how has that distorted uh, the truth to him? Yeah. And it's kind of fun with where he thought like the uh, the Murdral were hunting him. It's kind of fun where he's on the run, how he all his interaction with the Sean Chan because that's where you really get more of an understanding of who the Sean Chan are. Because if you just saw the Sean Chan from Matt's and Egwene's point of view, it's just this very evil, oppressive, like it's, they're just the enemy. Where Doman actually really show that they have a unique culture and it's not that, you know, twirly mustache evil stuff. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of twisted from our point of view, but there's a logic to their culture and you kind of understand it. And I really enjoy it. And they have some positive points too of like, 
you see from their point of view of how they actually do have when it comes to colonizers, like they're not the stereotype of the going in there oppressing these people and it's just awful and everyone lives in living in squalor. No, all the towns that they kind of they conquer, everyone's doing great. Everyone's fed. Like they have like relative freedom of movement. There's everyone's allowed to carry weapons. They're not even afraid of that. There's everything seems pretty good <laughs> with them in charge. And it brings a unique, like, okay, I'm interested. Like they're clearly efficient like they know what they're they're comp that what that does is not just show their they're not just completely evil is that they're competent that's what makes them far more scary is when they come in when they get in charge people are fed people are happy to adjust like people are upset that they're being oppressed but generally they're very efficient at what they do and they're competent and that makes them more scary and then you have the whole exploration of domani and seldom yep and the leashing and you have a lot of the Aes Sedai world building here where I, I still don't understand all the politics, but we at least see how Nynaeve becomes an, accept, becomes an accepted and the trial she had to go through. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that you have to, that you get three attempts as well to come back to the Aes Sedai, right? You can fail three times and still become one because it's that difficult. You can fail, but if you give up, then that's when it's over. Yeah. Got it. So and then I'm most interested. I'm surprised you didn't say this. It's your first thing for mm. the world building in Hawkwing. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, blowing the horn and the, the wheel itself and the weaving of the wheel and all the times that the cycles of the ages that come and go. I'm really curious on Hawkwing and Rand and all the past lives and what what world-building exploration we'll have there. That, at the end, really got me thinking, oh, Hawkwing showed up like, hey, Louis Theron, we've been through this many times, and I'm ready to hear about those times. I want to find <laughs> out. And so it's a really good mystery element to it that I'm going, okay, what, what has happened in the past? Because don't show me Rand. Show me a more interesting Rand in the past. That's what I want. <laughs> so Hawkwing was a great addition. There's the Forsaken I have down here, Landfear. Mm-hmm. And there is... I, I'm, can I ask you a question about some of the um, some of the Aes Sedai? Yeah. Where Black Aja are bad. Yes. They're all, not supposed to exist. They're not supposed to exist. All of the other Ajas, they're not all... I think this is correct. You don't know, of course. All the other Ajas aren't all bad. Like, I know the Red Ajas in this, but they're not, they're not like the Black Aja where every single one of them is bad. Yeah, no, right. all the Ajas serve a purpose. Right. And they typically, depending on the color, they typically are serving a specific goal. So yeah. the blue are more interested in diplomacy and they, they go out they're negotiating peace trees. They're going to they're the politicians of the of the Ajas. The red the reds uh, the red Aja is specifically their whole mission is finding finding men that have um mm. That can tap that, into the true source yeah. and gentle them. That's an important role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they kind of have to. They they need to exist. And so then you have the greens. They're they're trying to ready for the last battle. So they're the battle aja. They train in how to actually fight, and they have warders because that's it helps them in fighting. So it, each the browns, of course, are the intellectual types. They're just Baron. more reason. Yeah, right. she's a researcher. You have the whites that are interested in kind of legal justice. Do you like this color system? Yeah. I know. Red Rising. In many ways, Red Rising probably pulled like a little bit of inspiration from it. Oh, like, I'm sure. It, there's a No, Pierce Brown's very well read. So yeah. he's uh, um, yeah. He even I'm said, sure he pulled it. Something bit. he said great at our QA was each generation kind of has their story. Mm-hmm. That is universally known across that generation. Maybe it's Ender's Game for us in the sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. There's certain stories that are in that monolith, that culture that really affect us. And way back then was the Iliad at one point or Shakespeare. Our generation needs a new, new something mm. every time. And there's a, there's that sci-fi, that fantasy story that stick out. I didn't explain it. He had a much more clear answer in the Q and A, but. You were there. It made yes. sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, and I, I, I was nodding my head a lot going, yeah, Pierce, you're right. He's a very smart guy. Oh, my God. Pierce is... He's an impressive off, man. Impressive man. Like He is a 
fantastic looking man, by the way. Like just, mm-hmm. and besides that, I, sh- I don't want to be Robert Jordan just describe beauty. The first thing I'm talking about a person, I'm such a hypocrite, but great looking guy, incredibly witty, intelligent. All of his answers were um, not just reasonable, but I was like, I agreed with all of them. And he towed the line very well between uh, explaining personal things, but also with his book and his inspirations. And just every answer he had was funny had some charm to it. I just want to hang out with him. Please, God, come on our podcast. Okay, that's it. That's my that's my me begging. But but you're right with there's so much of the world building that it's hard for me to separate and talk about this book's world building without all the other stuff from the books kind of affecting yeah. that mind. So I'm that's why I've shied, shied away. I'm sticking to stuff that I know is just in this book. Yep. But of course, when I first read it, like I was interested in the wheel and Arthur Hawkwing and like the past lives. How like because it, it's not just Lewis therein; it's everyone. Everyone has their past life. It, there's literally a set amount of souls constantly being churned out into the world Whew. over and over again. Very interesting, <laughs> and how that like madness. And I remember when I first was reading this, going like, "What is madness?" Is madness like basically remembering your past lives because you're a soul with that's lived multiple? Is that what madness is to them? Makes sense. That would be a logical explanation of how this world yeah. works. And so that's what I was thinking about in the first two books. That's awesome. You've got so you got you're getting a lot more out of it the second reader. Are you happier doing this series? Oh. Definitely. Yeah. I'm ecstatic doing this. Series. I could tell. I just, I love when we're doing a Wheel of Time pod because you treat me better. Just like <laughs> you, you're, you're a better person yeah. when you talk about things you're interested in. And I'm glad to go on to the third book mostly because I started listening to the third book just today. Mm-hmm. And this really isn't a spoiler. It's the first two minutes of the audiobook where it was just talking about how the Dragon Reborn's back and people, I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> okay, we're done with this shit. Let's go. He's back. Let's get on with the story. So I'm ready. I, this is going to be weird. If I rate the next book like a nine, how crazy would that be? I would be surprised. Here's the <laughs> it thing. just turns it around. Little, not spoiler, because I'm not going to spoil anything that happens. But structure-wise, it's one of the more unique of the series. I'm ready for it. It, it was such a... I remember reading and going like, that was weird. Like, that was a bold choice. <laughs> that was a bold decision, Robert Jordan. <laughs> what you made You there. made a decision. It, it, was, it was something. I liked it by the end. Like, yeah. I had a fun, unique time. Nice. But it definitely was odd. And so I'm interested to see how you're going to feel about it. We should do this every time. Advertise our next pod. Yeah. Just get them a little, give a little teaser. A little, little tease. A little tease there. But if you enjoyed listening to us talk about Wheel Time, if you're interested in talking with us about it, you can actually join our Patreon. Another set shameless plug down below. We have book clubs. It's a lot of fun. If you want to support us, check it out. And if you got all the way to the end here, comment um, Austin Be Better down in the comments below. We already told him to comment something midway through the video. Didn't we? I don't think we did. I think we were like, hey. Delete YouTube. Something. I don't know. But if you got all the way to the end, comment down below that Austin be better. And we appreciate all you. And then under Austin be better, sign it saying Richard. Like as if Richard said, I don't know. You always try and take, you're trying to tack on. You got to get to it before me. I do. I never. See, like you never do. You never do that whole like comment down below thing. I'm always doing that. You got to take it one time. I will. I will. Uh, oh, I will. <laughs> I will return again. You Louise gotta be quick. Theron. <laughs> Louise Theron. Louise Theron. Louise. It's not Louise. Oh. <laughs> Louis. Shit. It is Louis. Louise. Louise, Louise. Thor. <laughs> That's. <laughs>